are listening to The Green Flag with your hosts, Lucas Wacker and Kyle Cushman. Welcome back to The Green Flag, everybody. Uh, Busy, busy week of action on track at Darlington that displayed some incredible finishes, some crazy storylines and uh, couldn't be more happy to be back here talking it and breaking it down once again here this week. If you missed last week's episode, we are officially back here with the green flag. So very happy to be back on YouTube, Spotify, or on TikTok and Instagram now. So uh, just make sure to go follow us and the links are in the description below, but Kyle, what a weekend of action we just had at Darlington. And then also some news that broke just this afternoon before we're reporting this with North Wilkesboro returning. So lots to get into in today's show. Yeah, big week, a fantastic week of racing. Of course, Darlington being Darlington and uh, everything that is great going with that racetrack and great finishes and battles and everything like that. Then a nice little uh, cherry on top, I guess you could say, with a North Wilkesboro return next year of all time. So um, very exciting week if you're looking at the uh, the history of racing, looking at the tracks we're going to in the future and just went to and uh, an exciting uh, weekend of racing just in general, really. Absolutely. And I am super excited by the news that happened today. I'm sure basically anybody that's a NASCAR fan, if you're a historian kind of fan, if you love the classic kind of races, or if you're a new fan, I think you kind of welcome a return to the past as we uh, try and mix the past with the present here moving forward. So we've got North Wilkesboro. We're going to talk about just a second. We've got Eric Jones's Darlington win coming up later on in the show. And then Kyle Bush's contract rumors, as it seems like that is a- approaching a near end as uh, his 2023 plans are still unknown at the time of where we're recording this. And then of course, to wrap it all up, we are going to have our draft once again, like we did last week, five picks each. That's going to be fun. We'll talk about our results from last week. So stay tuned for that later on in the show, but let's open up with North Wilkesboro, Kyle. This is the big news. This is where the all-star race is going to be held on May 21st next year in 2023. It seems like this deal was kind of put together a little bit late and that's why the 2023 schedule has kind of not been released yet. That's looking to be sometime released likely next week. There's no definitive timeline on when that will be coming out, but this is massive news to return to an historical venue. They haven't raced there since 1996. I mean, this is unbelievable that they're going back to a track that still has the asphalt that was back when they first when they were last there. And they were thinking about turning it up into a dirt track, but those plans have been since removed. That came out last night. Those announcements that they're going to keep the original asphalt for now. But Kyle, your initial thoughts here. This is some big, big news that the all-star race is going to have some sort of meaning to it once again after a couple of years here at Texas Motor Speed way that were uh lackluster to say the least man i i can't believe this is real like honestly yeah. like i never thought that i never thought that we'd see racing at north Wilkesboro again period like late models anything the past couple of weeks having the huge late model races and stuff that they've had there was awesome to begin with and i thought that that was kind of gonna be what north Wilkesboro would be into the future maybe they'd put dirt on it do some stuff with that never in a million years did i think we would see uh nascar there again the cup series there again let alone as soon as next year so um props to nascar um they get a lot of hate for a lot of different things but clearly um they saw an opportunity here whether it was tv pushing for it whether it was nascar pushing for it or just a little bit of everything that made this happen 
Um, this is what a lot of people were hoping to see, a return to North Wilkesboro in some capacity. Um, and it's happening a lot sooner than people were expecting. And it's getting a significant date as well as the All-Star Race, which is going to make the All-Star Race feel like a legitimate marquee event once again, which it hasn't yeah. been for multiple years, dating even before they moved to Texas, dating even before they tried the Bristol stuff. For a lot of those final years at Charlotte, it was pretty lackluster. They were trying a bunch of different stuff. It didn't work. And now we're going to North Wilkesboro, which is going to be a place that everyone in that field is going to want to win at. So um, yeah, like you mentioned, 1996 is the last time we the Cup Series was uh, the Cup Series was there, um, and man, I cannot wait to see it because the late model stuff was great the last couple of weeks, and it's just going to be times a thousand once the Cup Series gets there. Yeah, props to Marcus Smith and Dale Earnhardt Jr. who yeah. have kind of like really led this charge. Oh, it seems yeah. over the past couple of years, of course. Who would have thought the pandemic would have almost been the blessing of disguise for North Wilkesboro to return with the yeah. the scanning of eye racing of the classic track, not its current uh, state, but when it was back in its heyday, back in the 70s and 80s, that was kind of the scan they went for for that track where it was a little bit more uh, in shape, let's say. But nonetheless, that has just brought some new attention or rebirth of this track. And clearly the fans are absolutely all for it. They showed up for Dale Hart Jr.'s race, I believe it was on Wednesday, Wednesday night or Tuesday night this week. Yeah. Uh, or And uh, I mean, they showed up in full force. Of course, there are some, you know, little quirks to the place. You know, it's definitely run down. Uh, it's it's an old track. You can tell that, tell that it's been abandoned for quite some time. Parking is not the greatest, but I think at the end of the day, fans will put up with whatever it needs to be in terms of the fan experience for the on-track product of being back there for an historic venue like that. That's going to be the hottest ticket next season, I would say, above yeah. almost the Daytona 500 championship race. <laughs> You know, whatever is going to be happening with the schedule next season, we don't know that, of course, yet. But that is going to be the hottest ticket in all of NASCAR next season. And I cannot wait to see what kind of show they put on at North Wilkesboro. It's an unbelievable track. We saw it with the iRacing stuff when they were doing the Pro Invitational uh, two years ago. You know, put on a decent race, of course, that's just simulation. I can't wait to see actual cup cars on that track with this next-gen car. Hopefully, they can figure out the short track program a little bit more by then, and we have a little bit of a better race. We'll see what Bristol and Martinsville have uh, in the playoffs here in a, in a couple weeks, but um, I can't believe that we are going back there. It's I can't, I can't wait to see something that I haven't seen before with a sport like this. You know, there's rare things that we've, we've not seen as NASCAR fans here, Kyle. Like, this is a track that was the last year before we were both born. So this is going to be all new for this entire generation of, of fans. And uh, I can't wait to see what, uh, what Marcus Smith and all of Dale and Hart jr. And everybody involved with, um, with the track and put on for uh, that race. So um, what do you, what are you looking forward to most, I guess, with North North Wilkesboro, Kyle, it's going to be a, a pretty special night. Yeah. Well, for starters, I would imagine that that's going to either, be a bunch of throwback schemes or just become a throwback race or stuff like that. Or at least I hope they do. Cause that would yeah. be great to see um, yeah. rather than trying to shoehorn it into the, the first Arlington race, stuff like that, um, which doesn't work quite as well as it did with the Southern 500 and under no. the lights and stuff like that. Agreed. So I hope yeah. they do stuff with that, but honestly, it's just seeing a brand new short track, which is something that we or new returning, you know what I mean? Um, short track, because we've seen mile and a halfs come and go. We've seen various road courses come and go over time watching NASCAR, but in terms of short tracks, it's been Richmond, Bristol, Martinsville, 
the entire time. There hasn't yeah. been any other short tracks and stuff like that. You can look to lower series and stuff. You can include Iowa if you want to, stuff like that. But for the Cup Series, in terms of short tracks, it has been those three tracks and nothing else the entire time that we've been watching NASCAR. So yeah. it is going to be awesome to see that return. Welcome I don't change. know what um, what special stuff they have planned for it and everything like that. Of course, the announcement coming down officially earlier today as we're recording this. But man, I, I cannot wait to see it. And it is incredible that now two dates on the on the NASCAR calendar next year, the All-Star Race and another marquee event in Chicago are basically because of iRacing. And in terms of yeah. Chicago being something that they kind of did uh, as their own kind of project to kind of see how it would look in a simulation before maybe trying to push for it in real life. And then for North Wilkesboro, the main reason that the track is even in a state that you could possibly race on in the first place is that iRacing went out there, cleaned up the track and scanned the facilities so that we could have it saved if it ended up getting demolished and things like that. And now a couple of years later, it's going to be raced on <laughs> by the opposite. biggest series in the United <laughs> States. So um, yeah, it is just incredible news um, and something that a lot of people were, <coughs> excuse me, it's something that a lot of people were hoping to see. Um, but no one ever thought that we'd actually see. Yeah, exactly. The last time of record that a cup car was on North Wilkesboro was the picture that has become pretty well known, I'd say, by Twitter and, and the NASCAR community of Kevin Harvick there, I believe in 2010, testing like the yep. old COT car before it transitioned into the 2011 version. Uh, that's when it had the splitter with the with everything like that from the previous COT with the rear wing. It was just kind of like a, a bridge gap, that 2010 car. So it is crazy to think that over 12 years, 12 years later, probably around 13 by the time we were there, that we're going to have uh, a cup, cup cars on that track. And it's just going to bring some meaning back to the all-star race that has been so full of gimmicks and stages and lengths and formats and everything under the sun they've thrown at this thing to try to make it something that it's hasn't really been. And, and it's just been kind of, I mean, Texas Motor Speedway was just trying to give them that second date because they knew how bad those those races were when they were on the full time calendar. They just give it to the all star race. They had to meet that uh, two races at Texas. But I think it becomes full circle here. You know, North Wilkesboro was kicked off the calendar back in 96 going into 97 for Texas Motor Speedway and then a second Loudon date now. You know, Texas Motor Speedway is likely down to one Cup Series date entirely. And uh, North Wilkesboro is going to be back and becomes the oldest technically NASCAR Cup Series track on the calendar, taking the place of Martinsville because um, Martinsville's obviously had that since North Wilkesboro went off the calendar. So very exciting stuff and can't wait to see what North Wilkesboro has in store. So any final thoughts there about North Wilkesboro, Kyle? And uh, we'll break down the 2023 schedule whenever that comes available. But uh, North Wilkesboro itself, any final thoughts? Yeah, no, just super, super excited to see it actually happen. Something that a lot of people never thought that we'd actually see, but hoped we would see. Um, and this is uh, quite the timeline that we're in to actually see cup cars at North Wilkesboro in less than a year. Yep. And uh, it should be very, very fun to watch all of that. But moving on here to the next part, Kyle Bush. And his contract rumors, where is he going to land in 2023? It's going to be an interesting battle between, it seems, a two-horse race between RCR and 2311 Racing. Of course, we think Colleague Racing could be still in that mix, but all reports indicate from Adam Stern and, and other sources that it, it's coming down to RCR and 2311 Racing. Of course, a Chevrolet team and a Toyota team, 
it's a completely switch. Uh, it's a totally different dynamic between the two teams. They're no way comparable. 2311, a startup. RCR, one of the legendary teams in the sport. There's a lot of different ways that this could go. It seems like RCR could be the slight favorite, if anything, right now. But I'm pretty darn sure that there's nothing been put pen to paper for Kyle Busch for next season as of yet. So um, there's a lot of debate here. And I think before the news becomes official, Kyle, I really wanted to break this down with you before the news comes out. Because I think that there's a lot of different ways that you can go about this. I'd be interested to know what Kyle Busch's mind is obviously feeling right now. But uh, if you were Kyle Busch right now, Kyle, where would you be leaning towards and why? So that's a fantastic question because there's pros and cons to all the different places that he could go, whether it's RCR 2311, which according to Adam Stern and his latest reporter are the uh, two front runners right now, but also for some of the teams that we've also heard mentioned in Stuart Haas and colleague racing as well. Um, I think it really depends on what he wants, whether it's short term um, championship potential or long term championship potential because i think those could be two different um different scenarios to look for in terms of where you want to go but also what you want to do into the future whether you want to be an owner into the future what you want to do with your truck series team into the future all these different things there's a lot different um a lot of different options and a lot of different pros and cons weighing on kyle bush going into um what he's going to decide so for rcr and and just because that I think right now seems to be the front runner, all things considered. Um, I don't love that as a landing spot, to be honest, just because we kind of see Tyler Reddick and what he's done right now uh, in terms of being able to run up front at certain ovals, be a strong guy on road courses, be able to be in contention for wins and things like that. But overall, I don't think that they are quite the championship contender, at least at this point um, that, we could see from some of the other teams that are interested in Kyle Busch at the very least. So of the two front runners, I do think 2311 racing is the better fit. Um, But I do think that the 2311 option is depending on what happens with Kyle or or with Kurt Busch, excuse me, if he does race next year, if they open up a third seat, there's a lot of different things up in the air um, regarding what would happen with 2311. Whereas with RCR, it's pretty clearly that he would slide into that Reddick seat and Reddick would either move to 2311 early or would just sit on the sidelines for a year or something like that. So um, in, in terms of 2311 and why I think that they're a better option than RCR, I think we've seen them have um, more a, a better upward trajectory from where they've been since they've started to where they are now. We saw this year with them adding Kurt Busch and things like that, them being contention for wins, actually win a race with Kurt Busch. Of course, the track that we're going to this weekend at Kansas. Um, and we saw them really take that step from team trying to figure it out last year to team that is in contention at certain tracks. The next step, of course, would be to find that consistency be a team that can be top 10 in regular season points and contend for a championship. And I think they're on that, that trajectory right now. And so for Kyle Busch, I think of those two front runners, 2311 is the spot that I'd prefer over RCR, but SHR is still there. We see what they're able to do with Kevin Harvick recently in the resurgence. Of course, Kevin Harvick, probably not going to be there after next year or two years. 
they'll be looking for a team leader. That's a strong place to go. That has championship pedigree and colleague racing. There are a few owners in, in the sport that have as much money as Matt colleague and he's serious about racing. So if you want somebody or to go somewhere that has long-term aspirations of being a championship contender that could support your truck series team and stuff like that, I do think colleague is a decent option as well. So there's a lot of different things that play here for Kyle Busch, but of the front runners of the teams mentioned, I do think 2311 is the best spot, but I do still think that RCR is probably the more likely scenario right now. It's fascinating. Really? I mean, really I is. never would, I, I never would have thought looking back at when the M&M's announcement happened that we would be in this position. It's a really, really interesting place that Kyle Busch is in. I'm not a fan of it. It's definitely increased my, uh, my blood, <laughs> my blood and, uh, my blood pressure and, and everything under the sun. Like it's just been an emotional year in, in, in general, as a Kyle Bush fan, I think everybody can attest to that, but I, I'm mixed on it. I don't know because it would be so weird in a way if he were to go to 2311 racing, the sister team to Joe Gibbs racing in a way, a lot of the same resources, a lot of it shared technology. Does he want to stay in the Toyota kind of pipeline or, you know, in that manufacturer while he just kind of got the boot from JGR? Will he feel comfortable enough going over to a, a sister team, if you will, like, and get that sponsorship from 2311 when Joe Gibbs racing couldn't really offer him that. I feel like that's going to be a really interesting decision. If he does end up taking that, of course, I think both teams are going to add a third car, in case this happens, whether that's Tyler Reddick maybe coming over to 2311 racing and Kyle taking a third car, or if Kurt Busch could come back, I think that um, Kyle will slot in right alongside his brother. And then Tyler Reddick is still under contract for 2023 with RCR, so I don't really see him jumping the gun a year early at the moment. I think if he's if he goes to RCR, they're going to add a third car, and then they look at maybe something like Sheldon Creed or Austin Hill eventually there to maybe slide into that third seat, or maybe look elsewhere in a year. My only time. thing but, with that is where are they getting that charter, and where I think are they getting are in the, the market money for to... charters though? That like people are in the market, but where are they getting the money to buy that charter as well? That's a good question. I don't know the ins and outs necessarily of like all the business, but I would assume that there could be a deal in place to buy a twenty million dollar charter from you know Starcom or you know a Rick well, Racing or Charter's gone. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, my my point being for those teams, I think twenty three eleven is the the more likely to buy a charter, but I I just don't really see a scenario where it makes sense for RCR to bring in a big name free agent and Kyle Busch somehow find the sponsorship and make up the funds to buy a 20 million charter all at the same time when your other big name driver is about to leave as well. That's the only part for me, but fair enough. I just saw a report that it looks like they could get a third. Oh, I'm charter. sure they're talking so was, about it. I just don't know how yeah. likely it is. Fair enough. I, like for me, I don't like any of the options really for Kyle Busch, to be honest. I, I think that they are middle of the road teams that I don't know if they're really in that top echelon. I would look at Penske, yeah. JGR, and Hendrick, right? Those I think we can establish are really the three. And then you have some big name guys at some other teams, but they're not well-rounded enough like those three top teams where they're consistent, they have the resources, and they're just out and out uh, championship contenders, it seems, every single season. Like ideally, when you look at Martin Truex Jr.'s contract situation right now, he's signed a one-year deal, right? He's yep. coming back for 2023. He's likely gone at the end of next season, depending on how things go. 
Um, we'll see if he re-ups for another one year. You know, he could just keep on doing one-year contracts until he feels like he's done. But if that's two JGR guys out, Ty Gibbs is going to take that 18 car for next season. And then you're losing Martin Truex Jr. Where are you going to go for that extra car? It's going to be fascinating to see what... Could be, could very well be, but I, I don't know if it makes sense for Kyle Busch to necessarily stay in the Toyota frame, if you will. It's probably the easier option when you look at KBM. You're staying with the trucks. You don't have to worry about switching over. It's just essentially the body type for that. It doesn't really have too much of an effect if you switch from you know the interior stuff and everything. It's more about the drivers that yeah. really comes down to KBM. It's not necessarily the actual manufacturer. It comes down to who's contracted under Toyota, who's contracted with Chevrolet. I think Ford is a very outside shot right now with Stuart Haas Racing. It doesn't yeah. seem like that's going to be going anywhere. Um, so my vision that I had when I texted you that, I don't think that's going to be coming to fruition, but, um, I, I don't know. It's because from everything that I've heard from him, from Kyle, that is that there, you know, there's a lot of different things that go into this decision that most guys don't ever have to deal with. And I think that's, what's, you know, prolonged this entire experience for him. So, Overall, it's just been a complete mess from, you know, how I think everything's handled. Like, you know, TRD wants to keep Kyle Busch, you know, like they said at Daytona, this is their 60 home run hitter. Like this is the guy that is really, he's the guy that's gotten them the two championships. You know, you look at Martin Truex Jr., of course, winning that championship in 2017, but he's the only JGR guy that's won a championship since Toyota's come into the sport. So they're losing a big guy here. And if they lose him entirely, it would be a massive blunder, in my opinion, by both Toyota and JGR to not be able to sell Kyle Busch, the most no- one of the more, I'd say, top three notable name in the sport that's marketable, maybe for the wrong reasons at times. But well, I think what we're seeing right now is that he's not necessarily marketable for the for his he pay salary, which, he, which he's which he's earned, right? Well, like no, if no, no, that do- his salary has nothing to do with whether he's marketable or not. He's he said as much that his reputation has made it difficult to get new sponsors on board. Yes, but you're trying to find a sponsor that covers that salary, right? Or or tries to cover it yeah, for the majority. That, that doesn't major- change that his what his what he wants salary wise doesn't impact whether he's marketable or not. As a sport, it's good to have a Kyle Bush because it makes the week to week certain comments, stuff like that, more interesting, more entertaining. But Kyle Busch as an individual driver, I don't think is as marketable as you're making it out to be. And I think Probably we're seeing, not. And, I, and I'm biased, and I, right? Yeah, like, and, I, and I think the reason why he's finding so much trouble finding a sponsor that is big enough, that is willing to take on enough, um, is kind of a result of kind of the reputation that he has. Mars and, M- and M&M's gave him a lot of leash to kind of do whatever you want, say whatever you want. And it's kind of coming back to bite him the reputation that he has. Yeah. And this is a pivotal point in his career. I think wherever he lands, that's likely one of, if not the last spot he, he, you know, he goes in his cup series career. He's trying to find his, it depends how long he signs for. Yeah. Depend. Yeah. Of course. Like if he signs a one or two year deal, I could see him going somewhere else. If another big seat opens up at that time. If I'm Kyle Busch, I mean, I've talked to you about this. Off, it's not going to happen. Right? Like you, you can keep I, take, you can keep I, trying I to put it out there. It's never going to happen. I, I think the ideal spot for him would be that 48 car. You and know, it's never like, going to happen. I, you know, I, I, I probably won't. But if they were to sign like a one-year deal, Bowman's at a contract at the end of next season. Hendrick, is there any way? Hendrick won't pay that much to get another big name driver in. 
They did the, have four big name ticket driver things in the past. They had two championship quality guys and two guys that were marketable, but didn't have the results to go with it. And Dale Jr., Casey Kane, we saw them go away from that model to go for young drivers over the past handful of years. It's worked better for them. They're going to have two big name drivers on big contracts in the near future. And Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, William Byron might be in that uh, in that kind of progressing up the grid to warrant a bigger contract, stuff like that. So I just can't see Hendrick going for another big name driver for a big money signing when they've kind of been there, done that before. But nobody's Kyle Busch in that situation. I will argue that like none of those names that you, when they what have is Kyle Busch bringing that they don't already have at that team. Well, I mean, he's better than Bowman, but like at the end of the okay, day, like but that's not the point. If they want to, if they want a well-rounded four, they would they would go to but the Kyle point Bush, is that they don't need that anymore. They probably they tried not. that and it didn't work. It's just what I, I think would be the best fit for him to go back to Hendrick Motorsports. Yeah, I, think anywhere I else mean, it, yeah, it's going to be the best team, the best car, stuff like that. I just don't think it's a realistic scenario. Probably not. But I, I think that they're it would just make, make more sense to me than going to RCR with an owner that he's had problems with in the past, which they've reconciled. It would publicly. make more sense, but it's, it's with the options that you have, right? Yeah. And that's why I think that they're all kind of like not his ideal choice. And that's why it's taken so long. If he had somebody that, if they had a name that popped off off the table that really grabbed his attention, we would have probably found this out in July. You know, this contract stuff would have been done, but there's been so much, it's so even between, you can't really decipher between who could look good. I mean, RCR hasn't been this competitive in years with race winning abilities consistently when you have a guy like Tyler Reddick in there. I mean, it's back to the Kevin Harvick days when he was there, when RCR was, you know, a championship threat. I mean, I have Tyler Reddick winning the championship this season. So, you know, you never know if he wants to go to a championship winning based off my predictions, uh, but 2311, they're still finding their groove. They haven't quite gone off to the hottest start compared to Trackhouse, who came in at the same time as them, but you never know. And the thing that the, the RCR definitely does is they have the, the, the engine alliance with Hendrick and Trackhouse. So there is a bit of a kind of alliance, if you will, between the three teams. It's not, it's not Hendrick Motorsports equipment, but there is still in a little bit of an affiliation between that. I wonder what the selling point is for RCR for coming there. I think it would throw NASCAR nation insane. If Kyle Busch went there driving uh, a, a number eight, a number three, a number 88, anything like that along those lines for Kyle Busch, I think would throw NASCAR fandom in pandemonium. But um, I'm interested to see where he goes. It, obviously I'm biased with that. I need to know where he goes, but I, it's just fascinating that it's taken this long and that there's, those are his options. And that's just basically the way the market is right now. And I can't believe that the NASCAR market is in this state where you cannot find a guy or a sponsor to sign a guy like Kyle Busch or find that it would be profitable to, to partner with a guy like Kyle Busch after how many wins he's the only two time champion on the grid at the moment. You know, this is one of the premier names the NASCAR has turned out in the past 15 years. So part of it is the context though, right? Like if JGR didn't have Ty Gibbs coming up, who was the premier prospect name, everything like that, who has had decent results so far in 2311, but is the guy coming up um, for Joe Gibbs racing, then something probably gets figured out. And if Kyle Busch doesn't have as many bridges burned that he has at certain teams and stuff like that, it probably gets figured out quicker as well. So it's not just quite that there's a big name driver who's excellent, has results and stuff like that, um, that's on the open market and can't find a team. There's some other context there as well that 
is why he's in this situation. Um, but yeah, it, it's racing. It's not the same as stick and ball sports where the sponsors aren't the main um, source of income where you try to get the best team possible. Um, it's not quite like that. And for Kyle Bush, the results have slipped over the last couple of years. He is the big ticket driver commanding a big salary. If you can't quite get those sponsors to cover it as well, there's a lot of risk involved potentially if it's a long-term contract and stuff like that as well. So um, yeah, I, I really hope we get a resolution to this soon because um, it is the big uh, kind of story going into next season. And um, on, once it gets solved, then it becomes what happens with charters, what happens with his performance yeah. next year. There's a ton of He's the first really to interesting fall. things to, uh, to kind of follow suit as well. He knows it, right? He's he's publicly admitted that I have to be the first one to go to state where I'm going, and then everything else will kind of fall in place from there. To so, be fair, it, there isn't a ton that kind of follows suit depending on where he goes. Like if it's a team that's adding a charter, then it's just Ty Gibbs goes into the 18, and that's kind of done with. I think yeah. if he goes to an RCR, if he does slide into the eight car, then there could be some kind of ramifications if Reddick gets let go early and stuff like that. Yeah, there's there could be a trickle down effect that is bigger than what. We're, we're thinking right now it could be smaller than what we're thinking right now it could be you know just like you said as simple as ty gibbs taking that 18 and car goes to a third car and then everything else will kind of sort itself out from there but it's short-sighted from jgr in my opinion to be losing kyle bush like this when you've got uh you know arguably a guy in ty gibbs that's going to be you know the face of that team for the next 20 years that there's no beating around the bush of that but you're losing the guy that has brought you the most success out of probably anybody that's ever been in your team. So it is quite strange to me thinking I mean, that, that that's probably, happened. But, but you can make an argument for a couple other guys, but probably, but I, I mean, I would say in this modern era here where it's pretty difficult to win with the playoff system and stuff that Kyle Bush has got it twice. Well, no, I, I know I'm saying like, you can make an and, argument and he's for filtered their entire guys, prospect but. pipeline. Like it goes down much further than just his cup level uh, results. Right. I mean, you could say that, but how many of those prospects have actually gotten to jgr that's well, part yeah, of Christopher, also, Christopher bell's in there right now i know that's my point the, my point being is like there's a couple guys and one of them ended up getting punted as well so part of this process is that they've got young guys coming up and that it, it you gotta kind of bring the young guys in eventually and it's just that this is the unfortunate situation for kyle bush where the sponsor leaves you have a guy that's ready to take the seat and would you rather spend the big money to bring kyle bush back when he's had some decent but kind of up and down results over the last couple of years or bring Ty Gibbs in now, give him this flagship car and have veteran drivers around him to help support him in the process as well. It's a crappy situation for Kyle Busch, but the unfortunate reality for, for Joe Gibbs is that it probably makes the most sense to bring Ty Gibbs in now in that 18 car and have Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr. there to support him in the process. Yeah, it's just the worst timing if you're Kyle Busch that the grandson of your team owner is ready for cup. And it's yep. the flagship number that you've got and you're out of contract and you've got no sponsor. Yep. If he had a sponsor for next season, it, this would have been done and dusted. There would be an extension. Well, if, he but, had a, if he had a sponsor, then it would be Ty Gibbs taking over a car next, like for 2024 then. But yeah. It's yeah. not the situation and kind of context is key here. And it's kind of the crappy situation that Kyle Busch finds himself in. Yeah. And we'll see where he goes. Probably, you know, maybe a 50% chance if we find out next week. If not, probably the week after that. I don't think this is going to go on too much longer. I think the pen to paper will be signed here within the next seven to 10 days, most likely for uh, where Kyle Bush will be signing for in 2023. But that will do it for that part of the show. 
let's move into Darlington. Um, what the heck happened there? I mean, that was just insanity. Uh, playoff drivers dropping left, right, and center. Non-playoff guys surprising the field. You know, after we've what the season we've had so far in the regular season, it doesn't shock me too much that there was non-playoff guys up there competing. But I don't know if we would have predicted them winning a playoff opener when there's 16 guys and the 17th seed there technically and Eric Jones goes up there and wins the Southern 500 for the second time in his career. What that means for him is probably, you know, greater down the line. It's probably nothing right now, but when you look at what his future could be, if that's outside of Richard Petty GMS, you know, uh, racing, if it's beyond that, or if he, you know, tries to become that team leader and build that team back up to a serious contender, We'll see in the couple in the future months and years to to come because he did sign that contract extension. So, but what a playoff opener, Kyle! What did you make of the Southern Five Hundred, specifically Eric Jones' victory? Of course, he had a little bit of luck getting there with the two guys in front of him dropping out, and he had a timely caution and everything like that to bunch the field up with twenty five to go. But you have to be in the right position at the right time, and Eric Jones was pretty consistent throughout the entire night. So. Eric Jones, we've talked about him on the show a lot. We're big fans of him. And he uh, he delivered once again on Sunday night. Yeah, it was a huge win for Eric Jones. Um, Richard Petty and GMS technically. I, I don't know if we consider it GMS primarily now or Richard Petty or whatever we do. Um, but that's a huge win for him. Um, and kind of reaffirms what a lot of people thought, that he's a still a top-tier driver who can still go out and win races and challenge uh, and be a strong driver. And he had some up and downs at uh, at Joe Gibbs Racing. We've seen this year Christopher Bell be the best that uh, team has been in recent years. But um, last year, Christopher Bell was essentially the same in standings that Eric Jones was the entire time he was there. And don't forget that Eric Jones is a couple months younger than Christopher Bell as well. Um, but for Eric Jones here, a huge win. Put him back on the map for some of the bigger teams, even though his results this year have been consistently good usually takes that big result to get back on the radar for those bigger teams as you mentioned he does have that contract through at least one more year that he signed an extension for i'm not sure if it was one year plus an option two years whatever it is but when that contract is up given his results with uh petty gms right now he's a driver that i think should be on the radar of some of those bigger teams to try and find somebody that could potentially come on a value contract that could give you some big results so for eric jones um, like we, like I said, going into this weekend, I thought that we were going to see some attrition. We were going to see some playoff drivers have issues. And if that, uh, if Eric Jones or a few other drivers could keep it clean throughout the race and be there at the end, they could take advantage. Granted, I didn't think it would result in a win for Jones or anything like that, but we saw playoff drivers have issues, whether it was mistakes of their own doing mechanical issues, whatever it was. Um, we knew that based off of what happened in the first Ellington race, there was going to be a lot of stuff happening this weekend and it played out exactly how we thought it would in terms of a lot of crazy stuff happening. And Jones was there to uh, clean up the scraps. Yeah, he was impressive the entire night. And we know Darlington is a track that he's succeeded at in the past. Of course, one of his one wins, one of his three wins now has come on that, uh, you know, worn out surface, really managing the tires. And it just seems like an Eric Jones kind of racetrack and that's just not just because he's won two races, but he was so consistent when he didn't win, when he was in JGR equipment, had a couple of faults in the past couple of times he was there with, with uh, Petty GMS, but Overall, he's still been a really solid top 10 guy there that you can count on to get you really good points and 
be in contention if there are some slip ups like that. And for him to win the playoff opener, it completely changes the ball game in terms of grabbing everybody's attention, right? Like you, you upset the playoff guys, and that is a, a a major statement win. And like he said in his post race interview on the front stretch, you know, this is a race that saved his job probably with JGR the first time in 2019. Yeah, it's now put him back on the map, and I think he's completely spot on about that. And he he uh he would know better than anybody what he went through with JGR. I think Eric Jones is a supremely talented driver. It was just unfortunate that Christopher Bell, who was winning a lot, the big three at the Xfinity series at the time with Custer and Reddick and himself, you know, it just seemed like it was all leading up to him getting a cup series ride. And there was only one available at the time, and that was the 20 car with Eric Jones being out of contract. And it's unfortunate that Jones got the boot, but I'm glad that he's landed on his feet somewhere where he seems like he's fitting in very, very nicely. And they're, you know, really trying to make that team become a threat. And when you look at what Petty GMS has in, right now, they've got Noah Gregson coming in in that 42 car for next season. And they just swept the weekend at Darlington. So better watch out for those two guys next season at that racetrack. But overall, I couldn't be more happy for Eric Jones. I mean, it, just imagine if he had won Talladega in the spring, for example, he was just the, you know, the trioval short shoot away from winning that race. If he got the right push at the right time, we could be talking about him just winning his way into the round of 16. He was 16th in points in the regular season. Like this was yep. a guy that was super, super good, super consistent from a, a team that has been nowhere in terms of race winning capabilities what? When was the last time? I mean, the last time the 43-1 was a rain-shortened race with Eric Almirola in the yep. sum, summer in 2014. But beyond that, they have not been a legit race-winning contender for forever. I mean, like, no. it, it's insane to think how much this next-gen car is even the playing field for some of these midfield teams that have never had success for a long time. When you look at RCR and Petty GMS, they're getting multiple race wins now. And that is fantastic for the sport. Of course, there's safety concerns with this thing as Kevin Harvick alluded to in his post race. And we can all see that. I mean, there's some things that still need to be ironed out with this car for the driver's safety, but the overall racing product and how even things are has been fantastic this season. We've never seen 17 different winners at this stage of a season in NASCAR history. So this is fantastic for the overall sport. The next gen car has been an overall success for the on-track product. And Eric Jones is just impressed once again. So could not be happier for him and just upsetting the playoff grid like that, beating a JGR car as well. And Denny Hamlin, I'm sure that was just a little bit of a sweetener to the overall victory as well. And uh, yeah, I I'm uh, I'm very happy for the kid. I mean, he's, he's a, uh, he's a great guy. Seems like uh you know, he obviously lost his dad and everything like that. So he's, he's gone through some turmoil in his life, but uh, he's, he's done a fantastic job with that petty GMS equipment this season. So um looking forward to seeing what he can put up for the rest of the season and moving into 2023, if he can make the playoffs, not necessarily just on off of a win, but maybe off of points as well. Yep. Uh, should we get to the uh, points now? We should. And that Darlington race had a big impact on a lot of the top seeds. When you look at Chase Elliott, Ross Chastain and Kyle Larson, they're, you know, not by any means safer now, you know, they, they were in a pretty good spot coming into the playoffs, but Chase Elliott finished last at Darlington Kyle Larson had his issues, managed to get back on the lead lap somehow. I, I mean, how did he end up doing that? And then Ross Chastain had his own issues, and he ended up battling back, I believe, to just one lap down there at the end to salvage uh, a finish that you know was not indicative of what that's the, what speed that car had. So um, Kyle Larson plus seventeen, Ross Chastain plus fifteen, Chase Elliott plus fourteen. So they're in a you know 
in a decent spot, you know, considering their speed overall this season, they shouldn't feel too concerned. I think going into these next two races, but if they have another bad result, they could be on the wrong side of that cutoff line going into Bristol and you don't want that going in to Bristol where you have to make up points. And then you got Alex Bowman plus 10. Kyle Busch was the highest points runner. If he did not win the race, considering how well he ran in the stages, he's now plus eight after that uh, blown engine there in the later stages, finishing 30th. And Daniel Suarez uh, recovered from his, you know, initial penalty there. Of course, the competition caution really helped save his race um, early on there so that he could catch back well, up with the rain lap round. Yeah. But the competition caution in general, the, the specific reasoning there. So he's plus two. Austin Sindrick minus two. Austin Dillon minus four. Both those guys didn't really have too much speed and they weren't involved in anything on Sunday. So, uh, you know, a difficult playoff opener for them. Chase Briscoe, of course, had the incident with Chase Elliott there. He was an innocent bystander after the nine car wrecked. And then Kevin Harvick, the big one, minus 13 to the cutoff line. He's got some work to do going into Kansas and Bristol here to make up those points on his competitors. So um, your thoughts, Kyle, on what the points kind of mean looking for going into Kansas? Who are you looking at to maybe jump up in that uh, below that cutoff line? And who do you think's in jeopardy potentially even higher than Larson or around that area as well? Yeah, I think first and foremost, a fantastic race and result for William Byron, who was somebody that came into the playoffs on quite the cold streak, got a lot of stage points, had a solid finish. And instead of being one of those guys that is trying to fight for their playoff lives, the next couple of races, he's plus 32 and essentially has a free race if anything happens at Kansas or at Bristol. So they've got to be feeling very good, all things considered, after what they were kind of heading into the playoffs. Um, but yeah, everybody really kind of... It's tough to say because you look at guys like Larson, Chastain, Elliott, stuff like that, and they've had so much speed over the course of the season, especially at a place like Kansas going into this weekend and Bristol after that as well, where you feel like even plus 15, plus 14, they feel yeah. good. But one more mechanical issue like that, and all of a sudden they're at the cut line or below the cut line, and it's a do-or-die situation going into Bristol. So um, as tough as it is to say, everybody that's essentially – under 25 points to the cut line, all it takes is one race and you're right back in that situation. So um really interested to see how things go at Kansas in particular. Um, Kevin Harvick is going to have to have a really strong day to kind of climb himself at least uh, right back to the cut line, if not getting above that, which I think yeah. they're absolutely capable of. Um, but guys like Briscoe, Dylan, Cindric are guys that we thought would be in this situation um, that had an opportunity to try and make up some points at Darlington with the issues that other people had and weren't necessarily able to. So a big couple of weeks coming up for those teams. Um, I think we're going to see a much more quote unquote normal race at Kansas versus the attrition and issues we saw at Darlington. Um, and we're going to have to see some big results from some of those guys in and around that cut line uh, to either make themselves feel a lot more comfortable heading into Bristol or make themselves not in a must-win scenario going into Bristol. I think Bristol could be like Darlington in a way with attrition because we we have not done, you know, 500 miles at Bristol this season. That That's going to be a test of the, the cars and everything like that because we did the Bristol dirt in the spring. We have no notes on what Bristol could look like with this next-gen car. So um, I think that reliability will play a, a little bit of a factor in that race for sure. Um, different to Darlington, of course, because it is a short track and you're you're lying more on the brakes and, and um, your mechanical stuff slightly more i would say than than darlington but you still need everything uh to to work properly in order to make up that ground and i think when you look at kansas for the mile and a half you know 
I think the guys that are going to be fast are going to get a lot of points. And the guys that aren't going to are kind of like in that middle range, back half of the top 10, mid range of the teens, they're just going to have to try and scratch and claw their way for every single stage point that they can get when they, when they can get it. If that presents an opportunity for a strategy call lay, if they need to get some stage points and then you got to sacrifice track position for the beginning of the next stage, you might have to go and go ahead and do that and see what you can salvage. If there's some chaos and whatever the next stage may be. So Kansas, I, I mean, don't underestimate this track, man. I mean, I think that this track, you know, it could surprise some people. It's not necessarily what it was when it was first repaved, you know, a, a decade ago, but it still can present some challenges. And we've seen that in the past at this track with some playoff guys having some, some real problems, whether that's a blown engine, cut tire, a spin on a restart off of turn two. I mean, there's, there's been a lot of different incidents uh, over the years that have taken out some guys from contention. So um, don't sleep on this mile and a half track package uh, 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 when it comes to the playoffs. We have not had a mile and a half race in quite some time this season. So it's yeah. going to be very interesting to see who's learned from when we had them earlier on in the season, who's improved, who's fallen back. Have the Toyota still have that advantage from the last time we were here? Cause they were super dominant in the spring. Um, is that going to continue or has the rest of the field kind of caught up with them on their mile and a half package? We'll see on Sunday. So um, points are going to be very interesting. <laughs> if some of the favorites are going to be in contention here, uh, for a cutoff line kind of fringe area going into Bristol. I, I would hate to be anybody that's around 20 plus points right now. If you have a bad day at Kansas. So uh, we'll see what happens. And uh, what are you looking forward to most of Kansas before we get into uh, the fantasy stuff? Yeah, just that it's been a long time since we went to a mile and a half. So it's going to be interesting to see if, like you mentioned, that Toyota dominance continues. And if it does, who kind of, Rises to the top, of course, Kurt Busch, who was the winner last time we were at Kansas, isn't in the field. So what yep. does that mean for Ty Gibbs? Does he have a really strong day? What does it mean for the rest of the Toyotas that are in the playoffs? And what does it mean for some of the guys that um, were in the mix last time at Kansas? Can they find that extra ground and be up there with the Toyotas? So a lot of really interesting things heading into this race. Definitely. And uh, Kyle, you want to go over what happened last week with Darlington with uh, our picks before we get into this week's picks? Chaos is the word that I would use. Um, it looked like our <laughs> debut <laughs> segment or restart segment, whatever you want to say, was a bit of a curse at one point, just given the issues that we saw. At one Larson, point, the whole Harvick, race, it felt like it was. <laughs> man, it was crazy. But um, at the end of the day, we had decent days, everything considered, given that we have five drivers to pick from. And if they have issues, it's not like um, the NASCAR Fantasy app and stuff like that, where we can slide somebody in and stuff like that. It's, yeah. We have our five guys. And if those five guys do good, then great. And if they have issues, then we're screwed um but i barely edged you out over the uh the five drivers 135 points to 130 points um it really looked scary for me there when harvick had his issues um with him just picking up the four points because truex then dropped out with just 21 points larson recovered to have 25 points um but the big swing was me having eric jones there and getting the win uh and having 45 points out of my final pick whereas you had a solid lineup throughout with hamlin there and reddick and stuff like that but then of all people chase elliott your final pick just tossing it out there because it's chase elliott for crying out loud just the one point and that ended up being the uh the big swing the final round there so well, a, a i don't know the debut. race leader blowing his motor with 24 to go was probably a bit of a swing too <laughs> well no the big the 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 swing ended up being the final round me getting 45 points versus your one 
So okay, all right. That is, but, but yeah, anyways. we we lost some points in that ladder, in both of us. I mean, throughout the last hundred laps, I mean, it was no just kidding. survival mode. Yeah. Um, but let's look ahead to well, Kansas. I'm not here, done Kyle. yet, sir. Oh, I'm, let I'm me, sorry. Let me finish my damn segment. Thank you very oh, much. Okay. Uh, in, in terms of uh, guys that we missed on in our uh, in our ten picks, William Byron was the biggest point scorer with 45 yeah. points. We were a little scared of their dip in form over the summer, but they showed that. Their near race winning speed at Darlington was still there this weekend. So that was the big miss. And then the other big miss was Christopher Bell as well, picking up 44 points, who had a uh, pretty solid day, all things considered. So um, overall, a, a pretty solid debut for us. I do pick up the win in the show segment, but for a personal uh, fantasy, you still pick up the win once again. So I got a lot of work to do in that regard. Um, but uh, let's get into uh, Kansas, shall we? We shall indeed. Um how do you want to do this here, Kyle? Who wants to go first? Uh, are we going loser goes first or do you want to no, defer it'll be the you same, won? It'll be the same every week where the winner gets to pick whether they get the first pick okay. or the wraparound. All right. Um, well, and, funny enough, I got to throw it back to you here. Yeah, what, so what do you want to do? I think last time you took the wraparound. Yes. And I liked how that worked for you. But there's so many different intriguing options this week that I think I'm going to take the first pick and see what you do on the two, three. So I will take the first overall pick here. Okay. I have a guy lined up. We'll see if you take him, <laughs> but go ahead with your first overall selection for Kansas. Well, with my first overall pick, um, it's going to be the same first overall pick that I took last time. Kyle Larson is my first overall pick for the fantasy draft. Um, won the okay. playoff race at Kansas last year, finished second earlier this year. Um, Toyotas were dominant, but the only guy that was up there contending with them was Kyle Larson. Um, if Hendrick is, finds more speed, he's going to be right there for the win. If they stay status quo uh, at Kansas and Toyota's still there, well, then Larson's still going to be in the mix. Um, the couple of mechanical issues back-to-back does scare me a little bit, but all things considered, I think Larson is the um, safe bet as the first overall pick. That was crazy that he had another kind of engine hiccup there and then it just yeah. proved to be nothing. It, I, I don't quite understand what the heck was going on with the Hendrick engines, but you take the guy I wanted. Let's just get that. Okay. Out of the way. <laughs> I didn't know. Who, I, I thought you might lean a Toyota guy. So that's interesting. No, I, I wanted the guy that just, no matter what it seems the like, he's like in the, in the top three <laughs> yeah. there, like running the wall and yeah. just ripping it. Fair um, enough. If he had track position there, anybody in that top three, uh, mm-hmm. I think they probably would have won in the spring. Mm-hmm. But uh, all right, you've taken uh, Mr. Larson. Two, three. Here we go. For myself, I'm going to take um, – I'm going to go with a bit of a redemption. I'm going to go with Kyle Busch this week at Kansas. Okay. And I'm going to take Ross Chastain as well. Um, okay. I think both of those guys – I'm taking two guys I took last week, but – <laughs> Their mile and a half results have spoken for themselves this season. Yep. I think they've been so, so good contenders each and every week. Chastain was up there in the mix, finished seventh in the spring. Cobbush finished third. They both led laps. So I, I can't. I feel like I can't go wrong with them. There's a lot of different guys I feel like in that top mix that you could pick, but I do want a bit of variety just in case Toyota isn't as strong. I would love, I think Cobbush will be the strongest or top two Toyota this weekend. And then I think Ross Chastain will be maybe second behind Kyle Larson for the Chevrolet camp at Kansas. So I will take those as my second and third picks. Yeah. Kyle Busch is a really strong pick this weekend. I, I, of course, Kurt 
got all the attention and stuff. Larson was right there with them, but yeah, um, easy to forget that Kyle was right there for a lot of that race. Um, alrighty, the, I, don't, uh, the, I don't forget. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so far, all of our picks are on the same team as last time. Let's. Uh, He's gonna switch it up. Let's buck that trend, shall we? Uh, fourth overall, I'll be taking Denny Hamlin. Yeah. Um, the Toyota Speed is the Toyota Speed, and um, it's a track that Hamlin had some good results at. Whether it's been um getting at stage points, getting good finish stuff like that. Um, so I'll take Hamlin there in the fourth spot. And number five, I will go back to the Hendrick camp and I will take Chase Elliott here. Um, okay. Just good speed overall all season long. They have um still a bit of a buffer to the uh to the cutoff line here in the round of 16 but it's a lot tighter than i'm sure they would like it to be chase elliott bouncing back after um a driver mistake at darlington early in the race kansas has been a track race had some really strong results not quite as much um the first race this season but um just too much to pass up on uh there in the uh the five slot so i'll take hamlin and elliott for my four five those are great picks i mean those could easily have been my two and Mm. three there there's i think probably your top five guys i don't know who you would have taken if i let those two i might i might have slid somebody else in for ross chastain but i think after this is where it really gets interesting i think chastain is absolutely in that mix though for sure like you could absolutely make a case for chastain being in there all right um my next guy is 100 going back to jgr Christopher Bell. Um, I'm taking that 20 car. Like Love that. him at this track. I think he's just, I think he could be a race winner candidate for this weekend. Yep. I really do. Um, it would be kind of funny if Eric Jones and Christopher Bell open the playoffs with victories this season. Not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, it would. <laughs> but um, he led laps in the spring as well, finished fifth, and the numbers are trending upwards with Christopher Bell. Had a great start to his playoffs. I don't see that uh, this first round just lines up really well for him. So um, I think the 20 car is absolutely going to be in contention for the race win this weekend. So I'll take the 20 car. And then for my next selection, this is where it gets a bit tricky here. I think now you're getting into yeah. who, who, who the fringe guys some swings. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I will take a guy that's going to be desperate for some points. Kevin Harvick. Okay. Um been too yeah, good here good historically. Pick. Didn't have the greatest spring race, finishing 15th. But over the past seven races here, I'm pulling it out again. His average finish is 6.9 here. Four top nice. fives, five top tens, 198 laps led. This is a guy that does really well at Kansas. I think he needs some points. Could go for some stage points and tries to salvage a finish if, if cautions play right. But I do think the Fords will bring a little bit more speed than they showed in the spring. Kevin Harvick is my fourth selection in the draft. I like that back to back. That's a that's a really strong duo there. Thanks. Um Thanks. you know what? It worked for me last time. We're going back to the non-playoffs. Oh no, Martin I Truex thought you were Jr. thinking Eric Jones. Oh, okay. Martin Truex Jr. is my yeah. eighth overall pick. Great pick. Um kind of surprised me to see that he has six uh six consecutive top tens at Kansas. Um only one of those inside the top five, but has um, led a handful of laps back in 2019, early 2020. But since then has just kind of quietly had some really solid results at Kansas. Of course, yeah. the Toyota speed earlier this year was really impressive. Um, of course, that team is still looking to win races, even though they're not in the playoffs. Um, so I'll take Truex as my number eight there. And uh, I like the Toyotas this weekend. I'm taking Bubba Wallace as my oh, ninth my overall gosh. pick. 
Um, hey, look, the ninth overall swing worked for me last time. This is technically a playoff driver, just not for the yes. driver's championship, for the owner's oh, nice. championship. Yeah. Had a solid points day, all things considered, for the opening uh, round of the weekend. 23-11 literally won this race earlier this year. And if not for pit road troubles um, and pit stop troubles, um, Bubba Wallace probably would have been up there in that top five conversation as well. So I'll take the swing on 23-11, and Bubba Wallace is my final pick of this draft. I'm really liking your lineup. I'm not going to lie. Thank you. I think it, it's it's pretty sporty. But I think you could definitely um, surprise you. You've got a lot of really good swings. This is my problem, though. This is my dilemma. We know how I get when I get frazzled at the end yeah. here when you take some Tenth guys overall. that I want. Tenth overall pick. Um, Where are we going here? I need, the, like, the NBA draft music. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. No kidding. I should put that uh, in the post. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to go with a guy that kind of shocked with some speed here to open the playoffs. Will he be? William Byron will round out my lineup. Between him and Ryan Blaney, I think Blaney is better at this track than results have showed, but he just can never finish the race. And I feel like he just hasn't had that race winning speed, obviously, all season. He's been pretty consistent, but I think William Byron, from what he said post-race, they've gone back to the basics. And I think that's what we really saw in that summer months. They were experimenting. They tried some new things. They went down the wrong road. And they opened the playoffs back with their bread and butter. And they had some pretty good speed. Top five, top seven speed. And that's what I'm going to hope for again at Kansas. They led laps in the spring as well. Finished 16th, so not the greatest end result for them. <laughs> but I'm hoping that they can really round it out here and get back into that early season form where we thought they were a championship contender in that Hendrick Bunch right there with Chase Elliott and right there with Kyle Larson. So William Byron rounds up my lineup with a 10th overall selection. I like that. So that means the uh, championship leader right now, Joey Logano, not in either of our lineups. Yeah. Uh, top five currently, Tyler Reddick in the standings, not in our lineups, and Ryan Blaney there as well. Not in our lineup. So some uh, some big hitters, not in our lineups this weekend, but I think that kind of lends to what we saw earlier this season in the race and kind of who had the dominant cars and stuff like that, um, where we really do expect this to be a Toyota track this weekend. Yeah, and Logano's just not quite had the track record here to show me that I yep. can put him in my lineup. I agree. Um, and the Penske cars haven't been fantastic on mile and a half this season when you look at I would expect Hendrick to bring a better package this time around. And JGR has just been fantastic this yeah. season on them. So, um, track house low key, really strong there as well. Yeah. Uh, Daniel I think, Suarez I think was an Suarez outside is, shot. Yeah. yeah outside yeah, shot. Because we talked about this in our playoff predictions last week. Suarez was running fourth or fifth at the yeah. time that he wrecked in the spring. So they have the speed. It's just whether or not they can finish the results. Yeah. I'm going to go with more pedigree in playoff performers yeah. than a guy that's in there trying to Proven. spice yeah. up the party. So um, fascinating stuff as always, Kyle, that'll yeah, do it for I like this, the uh, fantasy part, the draft where we got five different so guys. Let's go each. Over our I teams do think it's before good. We get to the, uh, the final picks and stuff like that. So I let things off first overall with Kyle Larson and then rounded up my team with Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr. And taking the swing on bubble Wallace for myself. I'm going with Kyle Busch. Rowdy's going to be in contention for the win this weekend. Chastain, the melon man, he's going to be up there in contention this weekend. Chris Rebell, he's going to be up there in contention this weekend. I'm basically hoping my top five is the only top five that happens this weekend. I really hope that that happens at some point. That would be very impressive. Yeah, and then they all wreck. Um, And then (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Harvick was my fourth selection and then ran it all off. Will he be William Byron? Good stuff. 
I like your lineup probably a little bit more. Um, <laughs> but if I lit off with Kyle Larson, I feel like I would feel a little bit more confident. Yeah. But this is always what happened last year. I'd always feel like, man, you got the better lineup. So it's bringing Every me time. deja vu. I mean, again. to be fair, um, last year, the stats kind of proved that I did usually have a better lineup. <laughs> yeah, that's why. As soon as this show starts up again, I get all frazzled and I'm all over the place. And uh, but the psychological the warfare. Case. Oh, I'm terrible at it. It's just, it's my, my weak link. So Alrighty. Well, speaking um, of weak link, let's see if you can uh, get some back with the winner pick here. With all your guys being in uh yeah, I'll, I'll let you pick. Do you want to go first or second? Um, <laughs> I'll go like, I'll go second. I'll okay. Go second. Yeah. He's deferring. Okay. I'm deferring. Yeah. Football's back tonight. Pretty pumped about that. True. Um, Where do I want to go for the winner pick? Um, Man, I think that this is going to be a low-key, really fun race this weekend. I think there's oh, going to I be agree. a lot of people in contention. Hell, we saw Kansas earlier this year. was a really fun finish and everything like that. Uh, Toyota came out on top earlier this year. I will say that Toyota comes out on top again. I'll say Denny Hamlin goes out and gets the victory this weekend. Okay, okay. For myself, Pick one I'm going of my to drivers. stay... No, <laughs> I I can't pick Larson. I feel like that's That'd too much of a really cheap funny. move. It's a cheap move. Um, I'm gonna go with one of my guys. That's probably good. Christopher Bell is Ooh, gonna win okay. this weekend. Big I swing. really like the 20 car. Love nice. Adam Stevens overall setup wise at this track. He could have so, just left it at I love Adam Stevens, but. I love Adam Stevens. Um, you can edit that in. No, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the 20 car is going to be someone to be reckoned with this weekend. And uh, I'm really happy he's in my lineup. So um, we'll see if uh, JGR can continue their dominance really on the mile and a half yeah. this season in terms of overall speed. The results necessarily haven't had the, that showing because they've been some late race cautions or somebody gets track position at the right time. It is a little bit difficult to pass for the lead. So, uh, but it, you can make your way through traffic. So um, we'll see what happens. Who can get the most stage points? Who's going to really maximize a mile and a half here this weekend yeah. where it's a bit more predictable than going into Bristol. You cannot rely on Bristol. We've said that a couple of times throughout this episode, but Ooh, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure all the drivers know it. I'm sure all the teams know it. It's big unknown going into Bristol when you're only going to have about 20 minutes of practice and qualifying too. So um, it's not going to be easy. And I'm going to have a nervous wreck, of course, as as per usual when these 10 weeks come around. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Any final thoughts, Kyle, before we wrap up today's episode? Yeah, just uh, feeling good going into this weekend. Hope we get some good racing. Same here. We'll uh, be back next week. F1, of course, in action for the Italian Grand Prix at Monza. So, and then IndyCar as well, deciding a championship here. So uh, going to be very, very interesting. We'll have episodes for you next week uh, for NASCAR looking ahead to Bristol. And we'll see if any F1 news, specifically around maybe Colton Herta, Alpha Tauri, whatever happens with that. Maybe some news breaks after that. We'll talk about the IndyCar season as a whole in general, probably as well. But uh, for this episode... I've been Lucas Wacker. He's been Kyle Cushman signing off for now. Make sure to follow us on all the links of our social channels in the description. Thank you so much for watching. And we'll talk to you next week. Teeing up Bristol. Enjoy the races, everybody.